Welcome to another episode of Trees and Lines. On this episode, we're joined by Larry Abernathy, who has spent the last four years volunteering on behalf of the UAA and the Utilities and Colleges of California, working to meet the needs for workers by the tree contractors and the pre-inspection companies. Have a listen. Hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, Larry. Appreciate your joining us. Been excited to get you on, talk to you a little bit. Tej Singh is with us today. For those uh, that don't know Larry, which probably are just a few, Larry has been around. He was with the Davy Tree Company for 49 years. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) He retired. He was going to go fishing, and then he offered to help out with something, and he's been giving back for the last four or five years. Really a pretty amazing what you've done. So talk to us a little bit, Larry. Tell us a little bit about what you got involved with. Yeah, so I retired in 2018, the day before uh, Fool's Day, April Fool's Day, and I um, was in retirement in the summer of 2019. I got a call from Phil, who was the, at the time, you were the director of the Utility Arbors Association, and he asked if I would assist in a project that UAA had which was to work with Pacific Gas and Electric Company to develop a training program for entry-level workers. At that time in 2019, you might remember, we had a lot of fires going. We had a lot of crews from all over the United States and California. And with all the resources they could pull from throughout the whole United States and and even Canada, they still felt that they needed at least another 3,000 workers. And there was just no qualified workers to be found. So as a result of a program that they came up with, Pacific Gas and Electric Company gave over $6 million to develop a curriculum and a program for the training of these new workers. How long a course is it? What's it take? Okay, so so what happened next was um, after getting involved with the college, I was able to, uh, because of all my connections in the industry, bring to the college knowledge of our industry and and people, experts and friends and colleagues. And uh, we all got together. I remember you came out even, Phil. We began meeting to decide how to uh, put this program together. And we assembled a, a group and the college did a DACUM, which is a develop a curriculum. And the DACUM is where we had contractors, we had PG&E, we had UAA, TCIA, ISA, all kind of came to the table. We spent a day with a facilitator, a college facilitator that basically put the workers, the ones that are doing the work in a, in a room and just on a board, actually on a wall with stick'em notes, they created a, a list of duties and tasks. So they identified all the duties and tasks that a a worker would need to become basically an arborist, but but more specifically a utility arborist. Something I wanted to ask before I forget is outside of Phil's persuasion skills, which he has a lot of them, to to take you you out of your fishing oasis, what was it about this particular initiative project, what attracted you to want to come back? You know, why are you so attached to that? 
in this, especially when you've had such an amazing run and now you've essentially built a path to freedom for your own time. You know, what, what was it about this specifically? You know, we have a saying that in this industry, if we get a person for five years, we get them for life. So like when I first started, I started this job not really knowing what I wanted to do or be, but I was fortunate that my best friend's dad was the uh, system forester for San Diego Gas and Electric. So I had a job right out of high school. I graduated like on Thursday and went to work on Monday. I created this passion, right? I mean, once you're in our industry, it's a fairly small industry. Even though we compete against one another, there's things that we do, especially through Utility Harvest Association, that allows us to do things to help create a safer workplace. So, yeah, the passion, I was also in scouting. I was an Eagle Scout, and loving the outdoors and all the things you do, this job basically matched what I loved, which is the outdoors. And it was a job where you don't have to uh, go to the same place every day. You're going somewhere in the county or whatever to different places in different conditions and different situations. So anyway, the passion got built and I had a great career, 49 years with Davey, started as a grounds person all the way up to where I retired as the vice president, general manager of the Davy Tree Surgery Company on the West Coast. And the deal is when you retire, you, in some ways, you don't just shut it off, right? So when Phil called me, when he called me to ask, I didn't even have to think about it. You know, I was like, yeah, I know Phil called. And, and I don't really know in some ways that Phil, I don't know the story behind the scenes, but it felt like there was a think tank that they were kicking around names. And when my name came up, I guess they thought that I would be the best candidate. And uh, so at that time, I was pretty uh, busy to have something out of retirement because I love to fish and, and hunt and all that. But, you know, you can only do that so much. Right. So at the time I was getting ready to retire, the uh, the county, my county here sent out a questionnaire about whether I wanted would be interested in working and being on our county's grand jury. And so I said, yes. So I had gotten on the grand jury, the civil grand jury here. It's pretty much where you're a watchdog for county government. And I was heavily busy. I was the four person the year that Phil called. And that was like a full-time job. So when Phil asked me to do this, it was like he knew that I was doing all this. And he was like, would you have the time to do it? And I'm like, absolutely, I'll make the time. So anyway, I have a passion because I feel like the industry has been so good to me. It's one of those things, even in scouting, you know, give back or make it better than you found it. So anyway, that's... <laughs> We're going to put you in charge of recruiting for the industry, Larry. There you go. There you go. So, Larry, the idea of training, it's always been the contractor's problem or responsibility. How's it been received? The idea that now the universities or PG&E is doing the training. You know, having come from Davey, I, I only knew that world, really. And Davey uh, had an excellent training program. I mean, we're, we're an envy of the industry in that regard. And it was, we always felt it was even a competitive advantage. So, Coming out of the Davy piece, it was interesting to see what was out there from other companies when I got involved. And I know that a lot of the um, companies that didn't maybe have as robust a program uh, were just using outside services to bring in their training. 
it was a really good feeling to work with a team that you could see that there was benefit. And and the other thing I, I saw too was that there's some really good talent out there that if I was still the manager at Davy, I would try to recruit because there's some really good trainers and and I've learned a lot from people from the outside. For example, I mean I I never knew that much about OSHA 10, for example, and so some companies use OSHA 10, and we've uh, incorporated that into the college program. I think it's, uh, without a doubt, I mean, when we got that DACOM team together and created this curriculum, the five-week, 200-hour course, we were all excited. We knew we were making history because, again, without PG&E's funding, this is like, it would never happen because it does cost a lot of money. Do you think, Larry, that what you guys built has the industry done a good job of adopting it? Like, do you see this sort of spreading across the U.S.? And who else is sort of following suit? Yes. So without a doubt, the industry, everybody wants to be a part of it. That was the thing about starting. It's like bringing all the parties together with the community college system. And actually, community colleges at the for the most part, in my opinion, were good for recruitment for pre-inspectors and those that got two-year degrees and stuff. But to actually have the college system in California where a, a worker that probably has no ambition or even thought about going to college is now coming on a college campus and, and learning these skills. It, basically, the college calls it, it's a, it's a not-for-credit course. I've heard it called in California, I've heard it called uh, contract education. The community colleges in California help employers or partners wherever there's a need. They'll actually put training programs together. So when they found our industry, oh my God, did they ever jump in. We have this program in seven community colleges up and down the state of California. And we've had over 42 or 43 graduations since 2019 of the Arborist program. And then we just started after the Arborist program got going and was well on its way. We developed a pre-inspector program, which because there was a need for pre-inspectors, again, PG&E funded that project. And we've had over uh, a dozen pre-inspector courses, which is an 80-hour, two-week course. Again, taking someone off the street and training them to be able to do basically a level one uh, hazard inspection, which is a drive-by, walk-by inspection, and to be able to identify the trees that need to be trimmed out of the power lines. Yeah. Or pruned. I'm sorry. I want to say pruned. Yes. Larry, I learned this, by the way. I got got slapped recently for, for not using the right vernacular, so... I understand. Trust me. Yes. Uh, you know what? It's hard for me because I'm an old timer. Yeah. That, well, that's me all too. I knew. I'm, I'm with you, Larry. <laughs> so, Larry, back to Tej's question about the industry adopting this. What would it take for another state or another utility to do the same? I know the Utility Arborist Association, you know, with their professional development committee, I actually joined that committee to just give them an update and then I thought it'd be good to join the team. So I'm on that committee. But our goal now is to try to spread this. That was what Phil, that's what you charged me with. We want you to help start this in California and then spread it to the nation, right? Well, to spread it to the nation still there. We've been working with the University of Wisconsin. We connected the both colleges. They've helped each other get some grants. Both colleges got those grants 
And the idea is that we would like to find a college or somebody in another state to pick up this program that we've developed. PG&E is, is said we can share it with anybody. They don't, it's not proprietary. They, it's out of the box, ready to go. But it's the money. What specifically is the bulk of the cost? It's really the cost of the instructors. This is a real hands-on. I mean, so what the college does is they really they hire the trainers from some of our prime contractors, the prime contractors that work for the utilities. So when we get into like in weeks three, we're in chainsaws and chippers, and weeks four, we're in climbing, and week five is assessments. Sometimes those ratios, we want those to be like one trainer per every five to six trainees. So that's where a lot of the expense comes. Sure. I mean, you know, there's equipment we buy. We have a startup kit for each college. That's just one-time expense. And then, you know, maybe some replacement of things lost or broken or, but it's, it's just the labor, I would say. So, I mean, that's a very big piece of it. These people that are recruited, they're recruited by the college. They could go to the contractor and get trained, right? That's the old method is uh, when I got hired in the day, that's how I got trained. You you got hired on and, and it was all on the job. And if you were lucky enough to get a good foreperson and, uh, and a good trainer, you would get really good training. And then the other thing is, is that training on the job, you were also having to be productive. So training on the job, you would get training over time. I mean, in California... To become a qualified line clearance arborist, you have to have 18 months of on-the-job experience, and, and then your employer decides if you're competent, and they can issue their card that says you're qualified to work around the power lines. Being qualified the old-fashioned way was, let me say it this way, the trainees coming out of this class will probably know more and have better skills than someone that's been on the job six months that started the old-fashioned way. The way that most of us start, a matter of fact, all of us started, except for the 400 or 500 plus trainees that we've graduated. Okay. Interesting. So Larry, like now that you're on this path, this is where you're going to spend a lot of your time trying to bring this even more to the market. Yes. You know that I feel like that's my new role now is to help the colleges and they won't let go of me. So I, I can't say no. So like our, our next deal is the PG&E funds expires uh, this coming June, right? So the challenge now is to keep funding. And again, I told you that the college did get a grant. So I think that's going to be good. And so my next, well, not next, but some of my activities now is to help the college find utilities to help fund these courses. And, and we've been successful. San Diego Gas and Electric has funded enough money to put on two cohorts for this year and next year. So that's four classes. And then we're working with Southern Cal Edison. We sent them a proposal. So I feel like I'm back in the contracting business, trying to actually asking uh, and making the case that they need to invest in this, right? <laughs> and then with the UAA, you know, with with the team of, of experts and professionals on that committee, we're trying to figure out where can we take it? What colleges? And you know, we've had a couple conversations with some colleges, but we haven't had it take off yet. Outside of the funding, are you tracking the performance of, let's just say there's 100 people that have come through this program, right? Do you have any sense of like where they are in their careers, how much they're accelerating relative to their peer groups because they did this and being able to demonstrate to other 
potential capital and investors that like, look, guys, the industry is moving to this. Here are the KPIs and the metrics and blah, blah, blah. You're right on. You know what? As a matter of fact, I just sent a message to Dennis Fallon and and I asked if the UAA could help us, the college, or I say us like I'm an employee of the college. But, <laughs> you <laughs> but, are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just haven't accepted it yet. Yeah. No, Annie Rafferty is the director uh, that's really the spark plug in the college system. She knows everybody there, but I was chatting with her yesterday. We have all the uh, contact information for the 400-plus graduates. UAA is going to help us, I think, hopefully through one of the committees where we could reach out to those. Because we here's the thing that the college did as part of the program. They agreed to uh, give every graduate a one-year membership to the Utility Arbors Association. So we have their contact information, and they're members of UAA for their first year. And the reason we did that is because there's webinars and educational pieces that we want them to go and look and see, right? So we haven't done what you just described because we're so busy getting enrollments and the program's pretty much developed. Now's the time to see, you know, to make our case really that if you get this kind of training, it pays a dividend, right? So I'd like to see uh, the committee along with every college has a coordinator and actually develop a, a survey and find out whether they got employed. Are they still in the industry? Have they had any safety incidents? Uh, you know, I, I would I would like to hopefully see the, the real science behind the fact that this training is doing what we think it's doing, if that makes sense. But anyway, yeah, you're dead on. We, we, we need to do that next step now. You know, and we've talked about it. It's just that the priorities of other things. But now talking to Annie yesterday about it. It's like, and then Dennis got back right away. Yeah, we're all over that. So we're going to try to put some things together and survey the graduates. The other advantage of doing that for UAA's sake is also to encourage them to renew their membership, right? Not just take the one year free, you know, stay with us. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it's it's great that you guys are kind of coming up with those incentives. Do you have a sense of what the demographic of these 400 people are? Like, is it typically folks that are on the younger side, kind of really just, you know, they themselves would be in that college range? Or you have people that are switching careers and thinking about doing different things. Like, what does that world even population look like? I would think about 90% of the people that come to this course have no experience. And that's the best, right? You get to train the new dog the proper procedures. Out of the over 400 graduates, there's females. And it's amazing that some of the gals that are that are doing the climbing, I've actually heard that they've outperformed some of the guys, you know, I don't know. At some of the graduations, I'm just going to guess it's 10% or better on the female attendance. But I will tell you, some of the graduations that we hold, we hold them on Zoom so that people can, from all over the U.S., TCIA, UAA, uh, can all attend if they can't be there in person. And some of the testimonies that we get from students, especially the gals, is just brings tears to your eyes sometimes because it's so it's so rewarding to see what they got yeah. out of it, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I would think that just the nature of this, if you found community colleges near a disadvantaged community, I mean, there's so much need for workers. This course gives you a lot of opportunities. One other thing that we probably have pretty good attendance with is the colleges have connected up with the California Conservation Corps. 
And I don't know if you know much about the Conservation Corps, but that's where uh, young people volunteer their time. They usually, it's a, usually a one-year commitment, maybe two, I'm not sure. I think it's one year. But the Conservation Corps teaches them, you know, how to use chainsaws and chip brush and do all that stuff for firefighting. The partnership and connection with the California Conservation Corps has been one where we've had a lot of graduates. As a matter of fact, we've had the San Diego classes, the two that we've had were at the, actually, I think we've had three in San Diego, but they were all held at the California Conservation Corps facility through the San Diego Community College system. It's a very interesting group of people that have come to our course. Some people have uh, been laid off, let's say, or they're in between jobs. They've had, we've had some that have worked for, uh, I guess, a mom and pop tree company, and then they come over, go through our training. And uh, so they get taught the right way. (laughs) And you're where in California? I live in uh, Calaveras County, which is uh, south and east of Sacramento, about an hour. Okay. In the foothills. In the foothills, okay. It's gorgeous here. It's a high fire area all the time. So that's the other thing I do in the spring is, uh, and it's good therapy is get on my tractor and make defensible space. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, well, you're, you're, you're trained. Well, I, uh, I'm usually out in California pretty regularly, so we'll definitely have to kind of get together, grab some dinner and, uh, sure. and, and continue this dialogue. Cause it's fascinating what you've a, what you've done over the course of your career, but what you've got your hands in now. Uh, what I was going to say previously was like Phil and I just have had an ongoing dialogue with other guests and even internally just about the industry is going to have a bit of a resource crunch. And so what you're doing and you know what you're leading is, I think, very critical to the protection of this very unique and, and special industry and impactful industry. So congrats on having such a an impact. It's amazing to see in here. We talked about him leading the uh, charge with the tree worker training and the pre-inspection training. I believe you're still on the uh, board and you've been really instrumental in the uh, the utility veg management professional development program. Yes. That's now offered out of Wisconsin. So yeah, yeah. Neil Thiessen, uh, he, gave, he gave a call to me just before I was retiring and asked if I would help. And I, I said, well, if you think I can help, I'm there. So he sucked me into that one, <laughs> but I enjoy it. It's really good. Neil was a better recruiter than I was. Larry, your, your reputation, I think everyone's going to be like, when they, when they watch this, you'll be like, let me call Larry because he's, he's making himself available. So oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, well, that is the beauty of, of some of this is as we, uh, even at the college, we've presented at UAA, TCIA, ISA, we, we've made presentations, webinars and stuff. And it's so good that when people hear, they all want to be a part. And so it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know. <laughs> this was a fantastic session, my friend. Thank you so much for making time today. And uh, really enjoyed listening to your background and, and what you're up to. It's pretty fantastic. It's nice to hear the passion. Thanks, Larry. Thanks a lot for having me. Okay, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Trees and Lines, sponsored by Iapetus Holdings, LLC. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us at treesandlines at iapetusllc.com.